So last week we kicked off uh, this Christmas series called The Thrill of Hope. And yes, we're taking that phrase, Thrill of Hope, from one of the most famous Christmas songs of all time called Oh Holy Night. And last week I put the the lyrics up, and I I don't think they're up this week, but I want to read them to you again uh, so you can know the context of where this statement, thrill of hope, came from. And and that verse or that that, uh, line of of the song, Oh Holy Night, goes like this. It says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And that word pining actually comes from a word that means uh, defective mentally or emotionally because of a broken heart. And so the world was pining. We were broken because our hearts were broken, right? Till he appeared, and he is Jesus being born as a little baby. Then the soul, our souls, felt its worth. And here's that line. A thrill of hope, the weary soul rejoices. So these weary, broken-hearted souls can now rejoice because of the thrill of hope that comes with a little baby named Jesus being born in a cow trough, as we talked about last week. And the, the hope that he brings is this, for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. And, and that kind of takes us to what we're going to talk about today. But I, I, I want to I stop and remind us of something that we, we said last week. When, when Jesus came in the form of a little baby, it wasn't something just for good people. It wasn't just for, for people who grow up in church and do all the right things and say all the right things and go to all the right places. Jesus, as a little baby, was born into the chaos of Joseph and Mary's life to symbolize the fact that Jesus Christ came to calm your chaos. All of the mess that you have going on in your life, that's why baby Jesus came. It wasn't just so we could have a holiday. It wasn't just so we could put up Christmas trees and lights on our houses. He came for you. And, and listen, I realize that people come into church every week and sit here and, and hear me say something like that. But we say it over and over again for two reasons. Number one, because it's true. Jesus came for you. And number two, because we believe here at the bridge that a lot of people who walk in these doors are like the guy standing up here with the microphone each week. And it goes like this. We believe that's true for everyone else except us. Jesus came to give hope to those who are not quite as messed up as I am. And that's not true. He came for the most messed up. He came for you and for me. And he came in the midst of the chaos to calm our chaos. And and we'll get to more of that in a minute. Last week I also mentioned this, that um, this time of year there are a lot of skeptics. There are people that hear the story of Jesus Christ being born in a manger, live a perfect life, die on a cross, raise again the third day to give us this hope that we talk about. And they go, yeah, I just don't buy it. And my challenge last week remains today. If that's you and you struggle with skepticism, I just want to challenge you, not just today, but to come back for the next couple of weeks as we wrap up this series leading to Christmas Eve. I challenge you to listen to what God's Word is saying and ask yourself this question. 
how would all of this hope stuff change my life if it really were true? Now, I'm not saying you have to make yourself believe it is true, but how would it change your outlook, the way you live your life, the dreams and hope that you have for a future if all of this hope in Jesus Christ stuff was really true? How would that change your life? Last week, we kind of kicked it off with this statement. I want to show you this again on the screen. It's really good news, and it says this. Jesus did not come to condemn you for the chaos in your life. He came so that you could have hope in the midst of the chaos. And that means you. That means everybody in this room who is wondering right now if this hope really applies to them, it applies especially to you. And this week, we want to take a look at a specific part of this hope, this thrill of hope that came in the form of a little baby. We want to look at a specific part of this thing, and and it's a hope that can only come from knowing Jesus Christ, and we're calling it the hope of transformation. Now, I know that's a big word, it's a big churchy word, transformation, but just think Transformers for a minute, right? Just think the movie and how these, uh, you know, these machines transform back, you know, just, just boil it down for a minute and think transformation, and we'll tackle the official definition in a minute. Here's what I mean. Part of the hope that comes from knowing Jesus Christ and accepting Him as your Lord and Savior, and the way we word that around here at the bridge, is every person must have a hand-over-the-keys moment in their life where they say, I've been trying to call the shots in my life, and it's not working. So Jesus, I hand over the keys to you. I want you to be the boss of my life. You are my Lord. You are my Savior. I know that only true peace, hope, and joy only comes from you. So, so when we do that, the, the hope that comes from knowing him and handing over the keys of our, of our lives to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is this realization and this reality that you can change. You don't have to continue being the same person you always were. I've said this a dozen times since we opened the doors of the Bridge Fellowship. Um, A handful of years ago, I went back to my high school reunion, my 25th high school reunion. And uh, I know what you're thinking, you don't look that old, and thank you. Uh, But I I went back to uh, my high school reunion, and uh, people couldn't believe the change in me. Like, you know how you go to one of those reviews, people go, what are you doing now? What are you doing with your life? And, and I would tell these people, I'm a pastor. And they would literally laugh out loud because they couldn't fathom the Steve that they knew doing what the Steve Ferris is doing this morning in front of you. They, could, they couldn't wrap their mind around it. That's transformation that can only come from knowing Jesus Christ. So let me give you an example this morning. If you've been settling for a life of disappointment and despair, when Jesus came as a little baby and chose to be born into that manger for one purpose and one purpose only, 
redemption that leads to transformation, the promise and the hope that he brought that day when he was born is that you don't have to settle for disappointment and despair anymore. Jesus came to turn your disappointment into purpose and your despair into joy. That's why he came. Now, maybe those aren't yours, but I have a little list here. Maybe you struggle with anger or a short temper. Selfishness or addiction. Depression, fear, doubt, financial stress, broken and unhealthy relationships. Whatever it is that you struggle with, whatever that thing in your life that keeps tripping you up and keeps sucking the joy out of your life, whatever it is in your life that is not pleasing to you or to God, listen to me, you have the power to change. You don't have to stay the way you are. And don't miss this. This is powerful. This is worth taking a picture of today. The power to change doesn't come from within you. It comes from who lives in you. It's, it's, not, it's not a willpower thing in life. I, I know that people are like, you know, I can change anytime I want to. Willpower will allow you to temporarily change a behavior in your life. The Holy Spirit has the power to transform you into a brand new person. That's a big difference, right? Look at this passage in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. It's one of the greatest promises in all of the Bible. This is the Apostle Paul who underwent quite a transformation himself. And he says this, this means that anyone who belongs to Christ, handed over the keys of their lives, anyone that belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. That's the promise and the hope that came with baby Jesus is that you have the opportunity to become a new person not just tweak your behavior. Before we get too far down the road, let me, let me tackle this definition of transformation or to be transformed. And here's what Merriam-Webster's dictionary says about the word transform. Transform means to change in composition or structure. To change something or someone doesn't simply mean to change behavior. This is a, this change of behavior is just a byproduct of transformation. To be transformed means to literally transform and change the composition or the structure of who you are. It means I was this, but I'm not that anymore because now I'm this. And again, listen to me, it's not this humanistic, I can do this, pull up your bootstraps, self-indulgent power. It's only the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you that can change who you are. There, there's an old Christian song from long back in the 80s. I don't even remember the name of it, and I would never dare uh, punish you by singing it. But the main idea of the song goes like this, right? He has the power to change your name. Like, change your name, just like he changed Paul's name. Just like he changed Peter's name. You get a whole new identity because of Jesus Christ. Look at this, again, worth taking a picture of today. 
when your life is changed by Jesus Christ, you act differently because you're a new person. You don't just start acting differently because you think to yourself, well, I don't like how I've been acting, and so I'm going to use willpower or the own, my own strength within me to change how I've been acting. That's a fool's way of living because eventually your power runs out and you'll find yourself sitting in a pile of rubble that is your life going, how did I get here? And the answer is because you relied on your own power to fix or tweak things in your life that only Jesus Christ has the power to transform. It's the hope of transformation. And it only comes when you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This, this baby Jesus that came gives you the power, you, today, you, I don't care what you're walking through. I don't care what secrets you have. I don't care what bad habits you carry around that you just can't beat. Listen to me. Jesus brought a hope that you, with all of your baggage, can completely start over. Brand new, clean slate, new person, new way of thinking, new way of seeing the world. There's a, there's a word that we use in church all the time called repent. Right? And you, heard, you hear, especially throughout the Gospels, of the stories of Jesus, he said over and over again, repent. And it's this churchy word that I'm not sure people really understand what it means sometimes. And it literally means to make a 180 degree turn away from the way you've been living. To reprioritize and rethink everything in your life. That's what repent means. That's when we hand over the keys of our lives to Jesus Christ. We literally are having a funeral for the old us. And we're saying, Jesus, because of the hope that you brought when you were born into this world, I'm saying goodbye to my old life, and I'm embracing the life that only you can give me. And it's this battle that that we have, right, that all of us fight every day of of whether or not we buy into that and and we're going to get into that in a second let let me share something else with you that we shared last week because it's kind of our working definition of hope And and it goes right along with this this idea of the hope of transformation because some of us uh stay trapped in the world's definition of hope and it goes like this well i wish that would happen Or it'd be really nice if I could be a new person, but I'm not sure I buy it. Like I hope, I wish, and that's not biblical hope. This is our definition of biblical hope, and it goes like this. Hope is knowing that God is good, and that he loves me unconditionally, and that regardless of my current circumstances, his plan for my life is still good and still intact. That's hope. It's knowing, not wishing. It's knowing that the God who sent his only son as a baby on a death mission to stand in your place loved you enough to do that for you. It wasn't like there was some meeting in heaven where God gathered all the angels around and goes, look, I'm going to send Jesus down to die for all the good people. And as collateral damage, the really messed up people like Steve Ferris, they're going to get the same deal. I don't really want to give them that deal because they make me sick 
and they frustrate me and they disgust me. That, that wasn't the meeting that went on in heaven. God's love for every human being on this earth is equal. And it can't be measured in earthly terms. It can't be, there's no measurement that we have in our earthly minds that helps us understand what Christ's love for us really means. And there's nothing you can do to make that love lessen. And there's no hoops that you can jump through to make that love increase. Jesus loves you just the way you are, but he loves you so much that he wants to transform you into who he dreams of you being. Like, you got dreams? I I got dreams for my life, and and some of them I've been dreaming for 25 or 30 years, and, and they haven't come yet. But if you don't hear anything else today, don't walk out of this room without hearing this. Whatever dream it is that you have for your life, it doesn't compare to what God has planned for you. It, it just doesn't compare. Like, like a lot of our dreams have to do with finances or career or status or how other people feel about us. And, and God's plan for your life transcends all that. He's like, he's looking at you going, you don't even get it. Like settling for those things that I just listed those don't even compare to what I have in store for you. And, and we, we sum all of that up in one word. Hope. Hope that, that only Jesus Christ can give us. Right? So, watch this. When Jesus started out as a little baby in a manger, defeated death by dying on a cross. And we don't have time to go into all the details today, but Jesus lived a perfect life so that he could be the perfect sacrifice for you and I, so that he could stand in, spread his arms out on a cross, and say, I will pay for all of your sin. No, you don't deserve that. You should pay for your own sins. But because I love you, I'm doing it. When he defeated death by dying on the cross and then rose again three days later, what came with that moment are two really important things that you can't miss today. Number one is salvation. We call that the gift of eternal life. That means that you no longer face a place called hell. And, and by the way, in case you're wondering, and, and we don't always say popular things here at the Bridge Fellowship, yes, we believe that hell is a place. It's real. And that people who never accept the gift of eternal life by handing over the keys of their life to Jesus Christ, that's what you have to look for, forward to for the, for the rest of eternity, forever and ever. But when you hand over the keys of your life, Jesus makes an amazing exchange, a sweet deal that none of us deserve. And he goes, yeah, you deserve that, but I'm going to give you heaven instead. Eternal life. That doesn't just begin after your funeral, but it begins right now, today, December 10th, 2017. For the rest of your life, eternal life has already begun. You get to walk with me forever right now. You get to fulfill the purposes that I have for your life. You don't have to settle anymore. All the while that that's going on, by the way, the chatterbox, as we call the enemy, the devil here at the Bridge Fellowship, he's over here going... That's not true for you. Maybe true for good people, not true for you. 
And you have to balance. You have to cancel out the lies with the truth that God wants to tell you. But anyway, Jesus, when he died on the cross, rose again three days later, it not only gave you salvation, but here's what it gave you. A plan from a holy God for your life right now. That's the other thing he gave. Because Jesus didn't die just so you get a free ticket to heaven. He died so that you could have real hope right now. And and, and please don't check out on me. This is for you. Not the person sitting next to you. Not the person three rows in front of you. This is the hope for you. That you have eternal life through Jesus Christ. But you have a plan. A good plan. A plan to give you a hope and a future. Right now in your life on this broken planet that we call earth. Now here's an important part of both of those things. They both come with a choice attached. Because Jesus has never forced one person to accept salvation. He's never going to grab you by the throat or poke you in the chest and say, follow me, you don't have a choice. Because if there wasn't a choice involved, it wouldn't be love, it would be dictatorship. But he gives you a choice. He's not going to force you to choose heaven. It's your choice. And, And here's the other part of that. He's not going to force you to follow his plan on this earth. He's not going to force you to spend time with him. He's not going to force you to buy into his way being better. He's not going to force that on anybody. It's your choice. You got to decide. That's where the how of the hope of transformation comes in every people every every week people go to church somewhere they hear a pastor like me say something like transformation through jesus christ is possible in your life and i think so many people walk out of churches and go like this great but how like how do i transform my life how can i become a new person how can i become more like jesus you tell me that's possible tell me how and so For the rest of our time together, I want to talk about that how. How do I become transformed? How do I allow Jesus uh, to change the spiritual composition and structure that's inside of me so that I literally become a new creation, a new person? The, The way we could say it is this. How do I change? Like, like that's the question that, that I ask myself, and you're probably asking yourself, how can I change? Before we dive into that, I want to plug our first series of 2018. January 14th, after the holidays, we will kick off 2018 with a teaching series called Changed. The question we will tackle over those weeks is a question that I think all of us deal with and battle from time to time in our life, and it's this question. Can I really change? Like, I'm doing all the stuff. I go to church. I pray. I've been trying the 15 minutes of chair time that Ferris always talks about. I'm trying, but I'm not convinced that I, me, you can really change. Can I really and permanently change? And here's something worth thinking about today, 
the rest of this Thrill of Hope series and as we head into 2018 in this change series. And, and I'm not saying everybody's going to like this statement, but this is how I feel. If following Jesus doesn't change me, does it really make sense to follow him? Like, why am I bothering if it's not going to transform who I am? Jesus' blood on the cross costs way too much money for you to just come sit here, go through the motions of your life and, and never change. His blood was too expensive for that. He died so that you would have the hope of changing, hope of transformation. So here's the how. Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It'll be on the screens or you can turn to it in your smartphone or your Bible. It's a very popular passage of scripture uh, written by the Apostle Paul. And I I just don't think it's, uh, I, I don't think it would be wise for us to skip over the fact that this is the Apostle Paul writing these words. It's the same guy that for a a career, he made a career out of executing, arresting, putting in prison people who are following Jesus Christ. That's, That's who he was. You talk about the ultimate skeptic, the ultimate Jesus non-believer. It was Paul. But God so transformed his life that he ended up writing half the New Testament. It's pretty crazy. And this is what he says in Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Look at verse 2. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So let's break this down for a minute before we close. Go back and read that first part with me. Uh, We're going to put it up on the screen because I want you to look at it. He says this, So dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. That's not a casual word. It's not going, hey, you know, if you think about it, give your bodies to God. He's saying, I am pleading with you. And I don't think he's pleading just because God is some hate monger who's going to strike you dead if you don't give your bodies to God, your whole life to God. I think he's pleading because he knows the power and hope of transformation. And he's going like this. If you only knew what I know, if I could take out of my heart for five minutes and put in you how Jesus has transformed me, you would never give it back. That's why he's pleading. And so he says, give your bodies, your lives to God because of all he has done for you. The original Greek language here says, present yourselves as a sacrifice. Another way to state this principle in this passage is the word surrender. That's a word that makes sense to us in the English language in 2017. It goes like this, hands up, I give up. I surrender. Like, I've been running. I've been a fugitive. I've been trying to do it my way. Not working. 
And for people that sit in these chairs and that I come in contact with over and over again throughout the years of my ministry who say, I'm not buying it. Jesus is for weak people who need a crutch to make excuses for why this world is so broken. I would say this, you're right. Jesus is for weak people. The, the part you're messed up on is you're, you're one of the weak people. And, and for those people who sit here and go, man, my way, I, I choose my way, I would just ask you in an honest moment this morning, how's that working for you? How's it working doing things your way? Surrender. It means to give up, give in, throw your hands up, give up control. Spiritual surrender means I am sacrificing my way of thinking and doing life for something better. So that raises another question that we ask around here all the time, and it goes like this. Do I really believe that God's way for my life is better? When you come to that place of surrender, that's what unlocks the door to peace, hope, and joy. That is what unlocks a life of purpose that allows you to impact other people. And I know what some of you may be sitting here thinking today. So are you really going to try to get me to buy the fact that I can't impact people's lives today just because I don't follow Jesus Christ? Look at me. It's exactly what I'm saying from an eternal perspective. You, you can impact somebody's life. You, if, you, if you're a leader at your office, you give somebody a promotion and that will impact their lives, but not eternally. You could walk up to somebody and give them a $100 bill, dollar bill on the street and that will impact their lives, but not eternally. Your potential to impact the eternity of other people's lives cannot happen without Jesus Christ in your life. Can't happen. And, and I don't know if you like that or not, but too bad. <laughs> Verse 2. Paul goes on and he says this, Now don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person. Look at this. By changing the way you think. Remember I talked about that word repent? Completely rethink and reprioritize how you do everything in your life. Everything about your life. You've probably seen this old saying before and we wanted to put it up on the screen in case you hadn't. It goes like this. Our thoughts become our actions. Actions become our habits. Habits become our character. If you want to change your character, change the way you think. And I would say this. I don't know that you and I, within us, in our willpower, have the power to change thinking. I think that only comes from the Holy Spirit. You can read all the Tony Robbins books you want and all that kind of stuff. You, you, you read self-help and whatever and memorize things. Transformation only comes from Jesus Christ. The, the Bible term for this is the renewing of your mind. Replacing the old way of thinking and doing with a brand new way. Replacing the old you with a new you that was given to you by Jesus Christ. So if you want to change your life, you got to Two things. Surrender. Change the way you think. That's the how. Now let's go a little bit deeper. 
Okay, how do I change the way that I think? It really goes back to the chatterbox. And, and if you're new here, there's a book by an author named Stephen Furtick. I don't believe it's the Bible. I'm not trying to pass it off as the Bible, but God has used that book to, to rescue me from some really dark places. And, and, and the book is called Crash the Chatterbox, and the, and the tagline, the subtitle is Hearing God's Voice Above All Others. And if you want to know the how to changing the way you think so that you can change who you are, here it is. Replace the lies that you're allowing the enemy to sabotage your life with, with the truth that only comes from Jesus Christ. And, and we go back to this. Pick a chair, 15 minutes a day, read God's word, talk to him. More importantly, let him talk to you. Just listen and see if it doesn't start to transform you. That's why we say this right here. If you want to change the way you think, change who or what you are allowing to influence your mind. Because your mind, not your heart, your mind is the gateway to your heart. Your mind is ground zero for the battle between the chatterbox and an almighty God who sent his only son as a little baby who would eventually die on the cross in your place. That's the battleground, your mind. That's what the enemy is after, and that's what God wants to protect. I want to read that entire passage again, Romans chapter 12, verse 2, but this time I want to read it from the message paraphrase. This is a, a book by uh, Eugene Peterson who basically put the whole Bible into his own words. That's why we call it a paraphrase, and I love how Romans 2 reads in the, in the message, so read this with me. It says this. So here's what I want you to do. With God helping you, Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing that you can do for Him. Love this part. Don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out, transformed. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. As we begin landing the plane today, I want to ask you a question, and it kind of goes back to that question I was talking about with our series Changed in 2018. That, that question will be, can I really and permanently change? But the question I want to leave you with today is this. Do you ever feel stuck? you ever feel like, man, I'm doing all the stuff, but I feel like I'm spinning my wheels? I, I feel stuck. I feel like I'm, I'm right where I was a year ago. I, I'm doing a lot of the right things, but I can't seem to get past this if you're stuck you'll you'll have thoughts like this from time to time i'll never get over this i'll never come back from this god is too disappointed to ever use me now i just can't beat this thing listen to me this morning the enemy wants you to think that being stuck is a bad place to be 
But actually, when we're stuck, that's when God does his best work. So if you're stuck here today, don't let the enemy talk you into thinking that you're used up goods and God can never use you again and you'll never change. If you're stuck this morning, that's where God shines the best. In our weakness, he is strong. All you have to do in that moment when you're stuck, don't miss this. All you got to do is throw up your hands and surrender. And go, I, I can't do this. This is not working. It is possible for you to change. You guys have heard of Ebenezer Scrooge, right? A Christmas Carol, Bob Cratchit, Tiny Tim, all those guys. I don't know if you ever watch it. As a kid, I couldn't watch it because I was afraid of Scrooge's nose because they always made it really, you know, like ugly and big, and it just freaked me out, and I would have nightmares. Pray for me. Don't judge me, but I'm sure you know the story, and it goes like this. Ebenezer Scrooge was this mean, bitter man who was hated by everyone. He was rude to people. He took out his bitterness on other people. And then one night, he's visited by a series of ghosts who give him a behind-the-scenes picture into the past, present, and future of his life. At the end of the story, after going on this life tour with the ghosts of Christmas present, past, and future, he completely changes at the end of the story. He becomes a nice man, warm-hearted, giving. Don't miss this. Don't miss this if you watch this show this Christmas. What happens in the story of Ebenezer Scrooge is not willpower behavior change. At the end of that story, it's not the same old Ebenezer who just acts differently now. If you watch how the characters of that show interact with Ebenezer after he's visited from the ghosts, you'll notice he's not the same man anymore. And in a cheesy Christmas way, I'm using that to tell you Ebenezer Scrooge was transformed by that experience. Now, I'm not saying the ghosts of Christmas past and present and future are biblical. Don't, don't quote me on that and don't email me this week. I'm just saying this. If God has the power to change a fictional character like Ebenezer Scrooge, who was as far gone as gone can get... Think about that image, how rude he was, how selfish he was, how bitter he was. If God can change that guy, and God can change this guy, and if you want to know my past highlight reel, just come ask me. There is no explanation today why Steve Ferris should stand behind this stand today and proclaim the word of God to you. I am not qualified. I'm probably the most unqualified person in this room to stand before you today and tell you, choose Jesus, it will change everything. 
the only reason I can stand here today is because 33 years ago I surrendered and I handed over the keys of my life and I said if I keep driving I'm going to end up dead in prison or I'm going to take my own life and Jesus said deal I'll trade you all that emptiness for a hope of transformation and while the Steve Ferris you get today is far from perfect just ask my wife Steve Ferris that stands before you today is not the same Steve Ferris he was when he met Jesus 33 years ago. And yes, the journey's been like this. It's not been up and to the right the whole time. But I'm telling you, the transformation that's taken place in my life can only be explained by Jesus Christ. And here's some really good news for you. Last thing. Philippians 1.6, same guy who wrote Romans 12, same guy who used to kill Christians for a living, wrote this passage too, and it ought to be really good news as you leave here today. And I love how he starts this statement in Philippians 1.6. He says, I am certain. I am positive. It's not, I think maybe. I have a pretty good hunch that He says, I am certain that God, who began this good work in you, you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day that Jesus Christ returns. Steve's paraphrase for that verse, God is not giving up on you. He's going to complete it. No matter how many times you fall on your face, God isn't giving up, and you shouldn't either. Let's pray. God, this hope that we talk about, it's not a self-help message. It's the hope of transformation that only comes from knowing you surrendering our lives as a living sacrifice agreeing God that your way is better and the reason we can choose that is because thousands of years ago you sent a little baby into this world amidst a great deal of chaos to live a perfect life and bring hope in the midst of the chaos Thank you, Jesus, that that deal is good for every person in this room. All we have to do is surrender and trade the lies of the enemy for the truth of your word. Thank you, Jesus. It's your name.